All right, this is Steve Shoney. I'm the city manager for the city of Upper Arlington. As always, that was our theme song by the one, the only, the incomparable Colin Gal. I am here with my co-host and sidekick. This is Darren Shulman. I'm the city attorney. And uh, before we talk about our first guest today, um, Darren and I uh, were um, featured. It's amazing that it's taken this long for us to be featured on a magazine cover, but we were featured on the cover of Tri-Village Magazine, and the title of the article was Law, Order, and Laughs. Yes. I have to say, I had a hard time getting my headphones on for this episode because my head grew so your, big. Your head grew. But now that we now that we have the Law, Order, go, and Laughs, it has given Brian, the producer, um, the opportunity to experiment with our first ever audio. <laughs> this whole episode is going to be <laughs> Law and Order. Our first ever audio drop. Um, so when you hear the Law and Order coming in, um, it is a reference to the magazine uh, article. So do you think that like I'm the law and you're the order and we're both the laughs? Or I'm just trying to like really break into this. I don't know, man. You, didn't, you just like the sound. You didn't really dental like into sound. it. <laughs> so speaking of law and order, you missed Dude. a drop. This is Brian. You have one job. On? Actually, you have like five jobs. But. Speaking of law and order, um, all right, we may have to stop. <laughs> I have to stop saying that. Um, so speaking of those two words. Um, we have with us today a uh, member of our police department, um, Officer Don Stanko. Don, welcome. Thank you. Um, Officer Stanko is part of our uh, school resource officer team. He has spent the first half of this year, um, because we had some folks out on medical leave, um, helping to cover Hastings as well as a bunch of the elementary schools. Um, he's shifted back to having his focus on our elementary schools. Um, but uh, one of the we, we were talking the other day, we have kind of an impl- internal employee um, resource group that kind of gets together and just has informal meetings. And um, uh, Officer Stanko started talking a little bit about some stuff I didn't know about you in your past and talking about all the work that you've done on um, – uh, crimes Against Children and Internet Safety for Kids and Families, and I thought it would be great to have him on and talk a little bit about uh, the things that you've done in your career and how you've kind of helped move it forward. So thanks for coming on this morning. Yeah, so let, let's um, go back to this informal meeting you're talking about. That, that sounds way too formal for what we did. It was more like coffee with friends. Yes, it was. We had a group of people that maybe you know, you never met before, but we all work for the city and we got to sit down and get to know each other. Yeah. And I think that's really good work. It was a little bit like this. Mm-hmm. It was a little, it was sitting around a table. I also like how he said with friends and not like with friends and Steve. So, I mean, you were, you were part of that. <laughs> I, I, I'm a friendly kind of fella. I, th- I think so. Do you I, think I, I'm, I'm glad to think Don thinks so too. You know, <laughs> remember the, I am the, I, I, you know. The very first time I ever met you, I was oh, on God, a call right nervous. down the street from you, and you called in because you found a wallet. And then I see this guy come walking up who looked a little lost, but, <laughs> you know, I, I felt he was friendly enough, and sure enough, it was you. And you were like, um, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm the city manager. I'm like, oh, nice to put a name with the, Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I, tend, I tend to be pretty um, obnoxious about when I see whether it's you and your colleagues or somebody from the public service department out and about um, I'll just like roll up and be like hey how's it going people are like oh god here he comes but you guys are always very polite to me so I appreciate it you know what we get people coming up all the time and wanting to just say hello or talk and it really kind of makes my day it's it's being able to interact with the people that we're here to serve yeah and it is I mean, it is great. And I do, um, one of the things that makes me really proud about working with our police officers is the kind of the culture you guys have internally about um, how you. Um, Here's some sirens right go, now. There go some of your colleagues. <laughs> On cue. Um, uh, working with you and your colleagues about, um, or watching how you and your colleagues interact with the public, because it's just. You know, hey, we're 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 here. We're part of the community. We're just trying to help everybody out, and I've seen it happen in lots of different ways. So, 
um, which is fantastic. So why don't you um, run us through um, a little bit of kind of the things that you've done both in uh, formally as part of your job and kind of also outside um, to really work on making sure that kids are safe in the digital age. So to do that, we have to go back all the way to 1991 when I first started in police work. And back in the day, you know, I would grab my clipboard and my hat and get in the cruiser and drive off. Now, were you at UA? Did you start your career? No, here? I started it with the city of Fairlawn. Okay. You know, and I grew up there. State area, right? It, it, it's right kind of uh, west of Akron, Ohio. Oh, okay. You're right. thinking um, of Fairborn. I was thinking of Fairborn, right. But let me tell you, it is really hard to work in an environment where you grew up mm-hmm. because people know you as that kid. And then now that you're an authority figure, it's it's really weird. Um, one of the, the tipping of the scales was having to go to a domestic dispute involving one of my best friend's parents. Ooh, what credibility do I have about saying, oh, yeah, yeah I, I know what it's like being married. No, I, I had no idea what it was like being married, you know. So, yeah, I decided to, you know, come to Upper Arlington and start new. But back then, the law applied to the physical world only. Then in the mid-90s, we started seeing the shift of this internet becoming more wide stream. You know, it is becoming a part of people's lives. And all of a sudden, 1996, 1997, I start getting reports of parents coming up and saying, you know, my child's having this horrible time online. They're getting harassed and bullied. Or they're sending a picture to them that's obscene. And this is when we first realized, okay, does the law apply to the digital world? And, and if so, who, who has venue? I mean, who, who, who would actually file a criminal charge? And no one knew the answer, really. And that was a big learning curve. So in the late 90s, we started seeing a shift from physical world policing and digital world policing. And we're seeing a brand new generation, the first of its kind to ever live in a dual world reality, mm-hmm. where they live in the physical world 100% of the time. But they also visit this digital world, which is every bit as real as the physical world. There are good and bad people in both, good and bad neighborhoods, and good and bad consequences based upon the things you do or choose not to do. So how do you tackle that? So the first thing we had to deal with was cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with something if you don't really know who it is? Back then, tracing, you know, internet protocol addresses was really hard. You know, John Priest, an officer that used to work with us, he was down at the uh, Internet Crimes Against Children's Task Force. He was one of the first ones to kind of crack that code and try and figure out how to place mm-hmm. a name with this series of digits Um, and that was a really that was a big game changer but as the digital world progressed as technology improved we started seeing different challenges come up so at first it was just mostly texts okay the texting was a problem you know bullying cyberbullying whatever you want to call it back then then we started seeing pictures being produced So, you know, the very first digital cameras used to use like a three-inch floppy disk. And the quality of the pictures were terrible. But when they started getting better photographs through smaller cameras, then we started seeing uh, an uptick of people, you know, taking inappropriate photographs, sending them out to whomever. And we're realizing, okay, now sexting is a big issue. Then the video component of it became a really big problem. And then from video came, you know, live streaming. And then live streaming now turns into, you know, the latest issue is, you know, the AI chatbots. AI you know. chatbots can do our show for us on occasion, Steve. They can. So what are AI chatbots doing that is 
um, less uh, fun than when Darren had one create a, so Darren, for one of our guests, had an AI chatbot create a um, plot for an, a Hallmark um, romance movie. I assume oh. that I assume that the AI chatbot stuff that you're talking about is is more nefarious. Than uh, that. Uh, not <laughs> not quite as wholesome as maybe a uh, Hallmark um, uh, Hallmark movie uh, script. So, in order to kind of really reveal how an AI chatbot can go bad, let's take a look at what technology really is. It's a tool. And like any tool, it can be used properly or improperly. You can use the safety features or you don't use the safety features. It all depends on the user. Mm -hmm. Technology is powerful. So if you look at an AI chatbot, what it does is it learns from you. How you use it, it tailor makes how it replies to you. So what we're seeing is a lot of people are getting, um, you know, chatbot apps like Replica, and they're tailor making their best friend, which is really, you know, artificial intelligence that that has nothing behind it. It's not another human being, but it sure acts like one. And how you interact with it is what you're going to receive. So we're seeing a lot of people, you know maybe using them inappropriately where it gets a little more, you know, NC 17, maybe even X rated. Um, but also this is a, something that can actually really uh, confuse kids. I mean, a kid gets into an AI chatbot and starts developing a friendship with something that's not even, can't even deliver what the child needs. Okay. Now, the reason why I see this coming is because I know one truth that is across the board. All humans need, you know, specific things to live. And, you know, being a kid is tough. If your needs aren't being met in the physical world, they're going to go to the digital world to meet those needs. If they can create an AI chatbot that's their best friend, I mean, they're going to do it. Now, you know, on the surface, that seems pretty tame and not really a big deal, but psychologically, I don't know what kind of, yeah. you know, outcome that, that could bring. Um, I do know that the digital world has a habit of making really safe, innocent things look dangerous and really dangerous things look safe. Um, but yeah, it's, um, so it, it sounds like for that trend, it comes back to doing everything we can to make sure that kids have healthy relationships in the physical world as a bulwark, if you will, against that over-reliance on the digital world. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely want kiddos to have someone that they can go to for help. And I tell them, you know, problems are like shirts. They're not all your size. If you find that your shirt is too big, you need to go to someone for help. Dude, can I steal that phrase? That's sure. the cool one. Yeah. I'll give you attribution when I use it. Moms are like shirts. I stole it from somebody else. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> um, but yeah, sometimes mom and dad, they're the great, a great place to go. But sometimes they're in a situation that is really uncomfortable to talk to mom and dad about. So they need an aunt or uncle, grandparents, best friends, parents, someone that is an adult, makes good decisions, mom and dad trust, to go to for some some good guidance or help. Um, so yeah, the, the digital world has um, a lot of cool things about it, but it has a lot of things that are dangerous, just like the physical world. So back in about 2009, you know, I had already been studying the digital world for, you know, I don't know, almost 15 years. And I identified that this was becoming a really big problem. And there was a little bit of a vacuum of people that were able to talk about this issue and give kids some really good advice. So myself, along with um, uh, two former officers that worked with us, uh, Brian Carell and, and John Priest, we formed a nonprofit organization. Um, it was Digital Innocence Recovery Group. In the beginning, 
we would offer our help to law enforcement agencies that didn't have the technical skill to find missing children. So if a child met someone online, complete and total stranger, and they ran away, you know, we would have the ability to go in and help out. That quickly morphed into, um, you know, the organization being rebranded as Digital Danger and going in and talking about safety issues to uh, students, parents, um, you know, adults uh, in the business world. And we would talk about the basic issues, you know, with kids, you know, what out there do you have to worry about? What should you be concerned with? And uh, what is generally pretty safe? And then if things do go wrong, if that shirt is too big for you, who do you go to for help? You know, there's kids issues, okay? Those are smaller shirts that if mom and dad try and put them on, they'll look ridiculous, right? So when two kids are going at it, fighting about who the best band is, mom and dad shouldn't roll up their sleeves and get involved, right? They stay out of it. So, it's Weezer, kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice reference. Yeah, like that. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then, you know, there are issues where mom and dad should get involved. Now, does that mean mom and dad call up the other parent? <laughs> that never, never goes well. But think of yourself as their tactician, you know. Uh, you're bouncing ideas off of them. You're the one going, I don't think that's a good idea. That could get you in the trouble. How about if we think about this instead? Then there are school issues. When can the school get involved with an issue? So if it happens outside of school grounds without school technology, when is it a school issue? Well, it's a school issue when that child comes to school and let's say everyone branded them a nickname on the internet and now kids are using it in the school hallways and that child doesn't want to go to school or it's affecting their ability to to function or perform as best as they can now it becomes a school issue but sometimes it becomes a police issue because maybe they're breaking the law like i know darren and i we were talking about um uh you know, impersonation, you know, like when, when is stealing someone's identity a thing? And when you use someone else's pictures, you use their name and you're posing as them, but you're saying things that would never come out of their mouth. Okay. Now we're talking about a crime here. Yeah. You know, but these are things that, you know, even I had to sit there and say, okay, Darren, I'm a little <laughs> lost here. Can you wrestle with this? Because right. I, I, I need help. Well, and it's one of the things that I, I really um, appreciate appreciate about it, the SRO program, the School Resource Officer Program, is everybody looks at it and I think they're like, oh, well, they're there to protect against active shooters and all these kinds of things. And yes, that's part of the role is making sure that the schools are physically secure. But so many times it's much more the work that you're doing to be in the schools to do two things. One is be there for the kids to be another um, another person to fit that shirt mm-hmm. um, for some kids. And then um, also the ability to really be there to help the school administrators through, and the counselors and the teachers and everybody through these really tough issues because, I mean, you can't expect a, a you know third grade teacher who's trying to manage um, you know, 20, um, you know, completely, um, crazy hyper kids and get them educated to also understand, um, the up-to-date latest best practices in terms of cyberbullying. So I really do appreciate that the partnership and the way that you and all of your colleagues on the SRO side, um, do because it's really super important. I mean, I think that part of the job gets lost when we focus on the physical security part because it's so very important. You know, and one thing I can definitely tell you about all the school resource officers that are working and everything from the high school all the way down to the elementary is each and every one of them brings their personality to that as well. So it becomes really a more authentic interaction with the kids, the staff, the administrators, and they've developed some really great relationships. When I was filling in over at Hastings, um, you know, students and staff were like, 
when's Officer Luke coming back? When's Officer Luke coming back? I mean, they love him. What am I, chop liver? I'm right here, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and um, they definitely create a presence in that school, and they bring a piece of themselves there. And if there's anything that I've learned about law enforcement is if you make yourself a real human being, people see you as a human being instead of just seeing the uniform. Um, I mean, back in the 90s, I started a fencing program over at the high school. You know, I did that for 16 years. You started that? I did. Steve and I saw them when we went to you the saw school. saw some kids that were fencing, yeah. It's still yeah. there. <laughs> well, you know, Carol Moore, yeah. um, she is getting back into the program. She wrote me back in there now to kind of help coach the kids. And, um, I mean, when I did it, we, we traveled all over the country competing. Um, I mean, we were 16 times state champions and it was really a great time. Can I ask how you decided on fencing? Like, did you fence back in the day? Like that's a very specific skill. Like, Hey, I'm going to start a fencing club. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And then, uh, I was fencing over at the, um, uh, Columbus fencers club where, uh, Dr. Charles Simonian, who was the former, uh, OSU coach was, was fencing there and he was, you know, teaching. And I met some high school students, and they're like, hey, we really want to start a fencing program. How do we do that? So I think it would be really cool. If, Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Go, go ahead. Let's see. No, if you go. I want to see if I want to go first. I think you need to carry a sword. Yes. Dude, right. if, if I could, I, I'd <laughs> do it, it in called, a second. It's called something else, right? Like a rapier or something? Or a, you know what? Foil. It, it, it's called a foil. Well, you've got three weapons. you got foil. you got epee. you got saber. I mean, it could be a, any one of the three. Do you have equipment like, that you own? So oh, I, yeah. By... by by city charter, you're the you're the safe. I I am the chief law enforcement officer. I might have the ability to right here right now, because I am in charge of get the drop ready, get the drop ready. <laughs> because I am in charge of law and order <laughs> in this town. Um, <laughs> that was a one drop comment. That did not need two drops. To, our, to all of our five listeners, and we apologize. Brian is still getting used to the, the audio excited. drop. He is excited. I think, um, Darren, I'm hereby asking the city attorney to look into whether I can authorize Officer Stanko. Not to authorize, require. Re- require. <laughs> Let's be real here. Require Officer Stanko to carry, um, I think, a rapier. I, I've got those. So what's uh, – now I'm going to wrap hole, but before we yeah, get to that, ahead. I will issue that – proclamation i'll write the proclamation but before we do that we need to test to make sure how efficient it is can you get steve and i to uh to do it you know what do you have i could i could not only teach you how to do it but i could have you fancy that's what i want i want oh absolutely you have the equipment that because i don't know oh absolutely oh steve yeah we're on the air so like you can't back out you and me so how much of an advantage is my reach in this so reach is a pretty good advantage but you know timing and reaction speed. Oh, I'm toast, but I'm doing and it anyway. <laughs> also, you know, kind of planning and thinking because, you know, uh, there, uh, there's thinking. reactionary fencing where you see an opening and you just go for it. But then there's a whole other layer of deceit, which Darren might just have you on. No, I, part. I will freely admit Darren is sneaky fit. Yeah. <laughs> he, is, he is, you know, um, uh, he is like, he's like, sleeper fit i mean he he just kind of sneaks it up on you and and um he is fair uh, darren take your headphones off so you don't hear this he is he is relatively intellectually capable um so you're saying there's a chance so and i am old and slow and uncoordinated and i will probably pull something doing this because <laughs> you are the only person I've ever met who got hurt playing pickleball. I did pull my calf <laughs> twice playing pickleball, and um, I did the. Uh, I was over at the firehouse um, on a Saturday morning when they had recruits in, and so I I passed, and Darren has passed yes. with a fairly good time. The the physical test that they do for recruits, um, and threw my back out in the process. So I. Uh, Darren, you will also have to draft a waiver for me yeah, we'll before both I do sign this. Our own waivers. No, you're, you'll be fine. Do people I, get hurt doing this? Can he put my eye out doing it? So I mean, <laughs> have a thing, right? You you could get hurt, but you, you're you're not going to get stabbed. You're you're maybe going to twist an ankle or something like that. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So but yeah. So can I get a commitment that the three of us will have a Steve Darren fence? Oh, absolutely. All what right. about Brian? Brian's tall, and he, I've played basketball with him. I don't think we want to. Oh, Brian's play. Brian's going to pull the old bad shoulder trick oh, on this. Oh, my shoulder's broken. Oh, uh, my shoulder. Brian's welcome to join us. Brian too. can't walk down the road without falling over and breaking his arm. So, <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to set up a duel for you two. A duel. And now to avoid all of the really messy rules, because with saber and foil, you have something called priority, which means whoever starts an attack first gets the right of way. Oh. So if someone starts an attack and another person counterattacks and hits that person, unless the person who started their attack totally misses and doesn't hit anything, you know, they're, they're going to lose. But whose who's responsibility is it to repair the sidewalk in that right-of-way? Well, ah, you get, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to have you guys do Epe, which has no priority whatsoever. It's basically a whole body as a target, and whoever hits first... Gets is that the, the one where you just kind of lunge real fast as opposed to like three musketeers? You know what? It is a little more subtle. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the big parries don't no, normally happen because, let's face it, your arm is a target, your hand's a target, okay. your whole body's a target, your toe is a target. So are there, Hey, well, there's some parts that are not a target. Can yeah, we, we got, agree we got to that? one part in particular that we will agree, gentlemen's agreement is not, <laughs> is not part of a target. So, you know, in, in that, that case, Steve does have a little bit of an advantage on you because of the reach. However... Darren has a sleeper ability that um, you're not really even taking into account. Has nothing to do with his fitness or his sneakiness. What's that? Darren knows cosplay. I do know cosplay. <laughs> you see, I do my research and I come in knowing so, who so I'm talking what to. What does that have to do just because he's gonna be just because he's gonna have some kind of a costume where he's gonna come in looking like D'Artagnan? Well, you know, he, he's familiar with, like, how people use weapons in, in the movies uh, and stuff. And maybe he'll pull out something that he learned from Black Widow and, and he, you're he, in trouble. So, basically, you're telling me I need to go back and watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That would be a bonus. It'll be like Indiana Jones where the guy's, like, doing all the things. <laughs> and then he just pulls out his gun at you. Steve will be, like, doing the sword. And I'm like, I got a Nerf gun. <laughs> I don't – how do we get this rabbit hole? But we do have a good commitment. I'm, in, I'm really appreciative so, of the conversation. Um, just to be clear, because the other thing that has happened uh, with our police department is there there are certain members of your there are certain of your colleagues that are obsessed with trying to get Darren and I to agree to be tased um, by certain members, like ninety percent of them. Yeah, um, which uh, you had a very good comment, which you you called that an IQ test, and if you say no, you've passed. Absolutely. Um, so anyway. I just want to be clear, the um, weapons are not electrified, right? No, no, they are electrified. However, you don't get a shock because you're, everything's grounded. It's, it's, it's a closed circuit. Purposes. Okay, all right, all right. I, I, uh, um, I think we will have the building department come and inspect that electrical connection, <laughs> particularly if Officer Petty is anywhere um, in the vicinity, because I think Officer Petty will, I, I don't uh, trust. That, that's Sergeant Petty, do you? Oh, Sergeant Petty. Now he's definitely putting now, out a battery in that foil for you. So, well, it, if it's ele- if something happens to the electricity, it might be Officer Petty. So, <laughs> I'm excited for fencing madness. We need to. Uh, I think we need to get. Was it Margie who did the branding? Yes. We need Margie to come up with a good brand for our fence off. We do need. Yeah. I mean, fence you could possibly sell tickets to this. I mean, I see this as a really this could big be a event. fundraiser. Yeah. Down, you know, we'll see when the shot and steam. This is the this is the bad thing about this interview. Like, I'm super excited to do this. So if like this does not happen, I'm going to be crestfallen. Oh no no, it will happen. Okay, I just want to make sure. We like, have this the isn't tools. A joke. We 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 have the ability. We, we have yes. I, right now. I'm I'm starting to think that maybe this should be like the the opening match to the state tournament that's coming up in April. I mean, you know, like an that, exhibition. That would be pretty good. <laughs> Before the well, people who know what they're doing go, they're two old dudes. We're going to try to two, two, old, two old guys. <laughs> Never gonna, done it before. Yeah, that'll go over real well. Um, so back to talking about internet crimes against children. <laughs> Smooth transition. Smooth. Tra- um, call me the king of the segue. Um, so to make sure that children don't feel like they've been stabbed um, by the internet. Uh, so anyway. Um, so how on earth did we end up on your fencing stuff? He started a fencing club. 
or team. Yeah. Oh, that's right. We were talking about SROs, everything the SROs mm-hmm. do in the schools. Yeah. We talked about how you got involved in the fencing club. Um, so kind of coming back to that role, um, it is about fundamentally about keeping kids safe and that holistic approach that you all take to um, the health and safety of kids. And um, every chance I get, I want to thank you and your colleagues for um, the work you do and the approach that you take to it. Um, I do want to come back to, as we wrap up, um, your thoughts from your, you know, what, 30 years of experience doing this, 30 plus years of experience doing this. Um, What are the things that parents can do um, to keep them their kids safe what should they focus on and the other thing that I also kind of would like your input on is um, what do you tell parents when they start to feel overwhelmed by all of this because it can feel like it's so big it's so scary um, and it almost becomes where you feel like the need to um completely try and disconnect your kid from the digital world um, because that's the only way to keep them safe. But we also know um, that that doesn't keep them safe and they're going to have to learn how to deal with it. How do you how do you talk to parents about how to balance that desire to close off from the need to teach your kids that this is something you're going to have to deal with in life? So I'm a big proponent of um, pro use. I, I think they should use technology. I think they should use the Internet, but responsible use. You know, just like anything, any tool requires using the safety features attached to it as well as, you know, knowing how it works. You don't break out a chainsaw and say, I've got this and, you know, fire it up. You read the instruction manual and figure it out first. So every time your child wants something, you know, make sure that you make sure they're ready for it. Now. The technology alone isn't the really big problem. It's really the um, the emotional side of things, you know. Um, and where your child lives here, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, um, there's this asynchronous development that happens. You know. Now we heard about you know asynchronous through all the pandemic and all the Zoom calls and stuff. This is something we were using, you know, 10, 15 years ago to to explain how a child's ability to navigate the physical world, you know, far exceeds their ability to navigate the digital world. Uh, For example, uh, conversations that you have online. Every time I go into a school, I say, how many of you have ever said something to someone through text message and completely made them mad without even trying? And every hand goes up. Well, it's because in the physical world, you have that ability to communicate pretty effectively because we get feedback body language, tone of voice, facial expressions, you know, all that kind of stuff. In the digital world, you don't. You're running kind of blind. So the first thing I'm going to tell parents is that when their kids have an argument online, teach them when to let go of the rope. Step back. Because if you're arguing and you say something and try and get your point across and it falls flat, then you do it a second time. Anything that happens after that is just going to escalate that conversation into a full-blown fight. Know when to step back and say, hey, we'll talk about this tomorrow. You know, that's one of the big issues, you know. And here's the thing. Parents always ask, well, when is my kid going to be ready for a cell phone? And my answer is the same every time. If any expert, in quotes, says your child should have a cell phone at this age, do not listen to them. There are far too many factors at play. That person doesn't know your child, what type of risk-taking behavior they have, um, how good are they at, at solving uh, issues that pop up or emergencies. And they don't know your abilities of being able to parent that child. How much time do you have to spend parenting a child in the digital world when you've got your hands full in the physical world? So, no, you're the best person to go to when you're like, okay, is my kid ready for, you know, a cell phone that can download a million apps? Well, think about it. 
How does your kid deal with social emotional issues? How do they deal with problem solving? And um, really, how big of a risk taker are they? Are they impulsive? These are things that you can gauge yourself. And when you finally decide, okay, I'm going to give my kiddo a cell phone, you know, make sure that you're the one that can uh, load up the apps on it. You know, don't let them have free reign on whatever app they want to throw in there. And if you're really curious about what's going on, what, how's my child using that phone? You know what? At the end of the day, go into the settings, go into battery, look down at the battery and see what percentage of the battery is being drained by what apps. Because it, it, it has a list. And it can tell you how many minutes they're online. I do that right now. They can tell you <laughs> how many minutes you're using Snapchat or TikTok. Because every time I go into a school and I talk to the kids that are using TikTok who are in you know, fifth and sixth grade, they're not even old enough to really use that app. So how many of you have been scrolling through TikTok and then you notice that two hours later, boom, you're here and you've done absolutely nothing but scroll. And every hand goes up. So these are some of the things that should be on your radar, knowing how they're using the technology and how many hours they're using it and being able to manage that. Then, of course, an internet curfew. Yeah. You know, we have a curfew in the physical world. So why not in the digital world? They're basically the same. You know, the physical world and the digital world, they all need rules. Because honestly, you know, not a lot of good happens after 11 o'clock at night. So they really shouldn't have that phone, A, in their bedroom, B, in the bathroom, C, you know, in their hand when it's late at night. Not to mention that when people get tired, their patience draws a little thin, and sometimes those conversations and those arguments happen pretty late at night. And then we start looking at, you know, the parent's ability to get on that phone and just see what's on it. Your child doesn't have a lock on their bedroom door that you can't get through. So they shouldn't have a lock on certain things on their phone. You should have free reign for all that. And if they're using an app, find out why. Find out how it works. Find out how good they are at, at navigating that app. Because we see that a lot of problems happen when a child first starts using an app because they don't really know how it works. Take Snapchat, for example. Kid uses Snapchat and says, oh, wow, you know, I can take this photograph and in 10 seconds it's gone and I don't have to worry about it. And then they get this notification that says, oh, that person did a screenshot. Oh, man, I didn't know that could happen. And then all of a sudden they're using it and they're like, okay, I know they can screenshot it and all that. And then the next thing they know is that someone, a developer somewhere, developed an app that works with Snapchat where they can do a screenshot of your photograph, but it circumvents Snapchat's ability to send you a, a notification that they sent it, and then the next thing you know, that photograph is going around school and everyone's talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it, you know, the digital landscape is a lot different than our landscape. I know Tremont Road's going to be there tomorrow, you know, barring any major issues but in the digital world Fitch, the rules can change on you Fishinger right now feels a little less certain to our listeners that's that's purely intended as a joke Fishinger road is simply under construction for the next year and a half <laughs> like your disclaimer voice when you have these discussions with children does it resonate or are they in that kind of developmental stage where they're like risk-taking and it can't happen to me and you know, no one can tell me what to do. I have a four-year-old, so I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> so, you know what? There is some level of awareness with them. When I go into a school, a lot of times, you know, the, the staff members are like, oh, man, you know, I'm so sorry they were talking during your presentation. I said, no, 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 I want that. Because guess what? What they were talking about was what I was talking about. That's a success. That means I hit a nerve. They're talking, they're processing it, they're discussing it. They're aware of the issues and the dangers. Now, their ability to navigate them and their ability to, um, you know, keep their impulsivity in check, now that's always going to be an issue. And, you know, let's face it, even adults have a problem with impulsivity, you know. It, um, sometimes we do before we think. Um, it is impossible for a child to navigate the digital world without parents being there to to help out because we all need someone behind us saying I don't think that's a good idea even as adults it's good to have a sounding board you know let's face it Darren you you're like the ultimate sounding board for the police division before we do anything we're like hey 
what do you think about this? And you're like, I like it. Go with it. Or let's take a look at this a little deeper. Um, you know, have we tried this instead? You know, because maybe you have just a different view that makes things crystal clear. So that's really your job as a parent is just helping them navigate that, helping them become proficient and getting them to realize when that shirt is way too big for them and they need help. And you know, I tell the kids, you know, it's a success when you go to mom and dad and say, I was doing something I probably shouldn't have been doing, but I really need your help because your mom and dad are sitting there going, okay, they goofed up, but I'm hearing about it. Not through someone else's parents, not through their best friend, not through their older brother or sister, but they're coming to me and that's a success. You know, because life is about making mistakes and learning from them. One of the best pieces pieces of advice I got from somebody with my kids, and, and um, I love my kids dearly, but they are not perfect, um, uh, was, you know, the most important thing is to make sure that your kids feel like they can come and talk to you no matter what. Yes. And that reaction... Um, to when they screw up because every every kid does you have to kind of check it and make sure that get that balance between um accountability and consequences um and love and openness and saying that it's it's oh it's okay you yeah you screwed up but you didn't compound it by being dishonest and not talking to us and waiting too long to come for help. So, um, uh, that is, you know, just from my experience, it's, um, raising kids is hard and it's easier. Fortunately, we're in a place that is physically safer than most. And it's in the physical world is safer than most, but we do not have a bubble. Um, we do not have that ability to kind of shut things down. I'll tell you what, Steve, one thing I'm getting at, um, with you as a parent, that I'm hearing, and I think every parent fits this very specific role, is that at one time or another, you're going to feel like you totally messed it up. And what I've learned in 31 years of law enforcement is that if you're a parent and you think you've completely messed it up, you're one of the good parents. Because you realize (laughs) that could have been done better. What did I learn from that? The, The people that think they have it all figured out, they're missing the point. They're missing that moment where they're like, that didn't go as well as I wanted it to. Yeah. So, yeah, you're one of the good ones. Oh, I, I feel I like, good man, now. I, even, I can't add anything nice to Steve. So, I, I, you know, we, we started this off um, as though this was going to be kind of one of our intro things. I think, um, I think we're going to do this as a um, this week on a very special edition of won't you be our neighbor? Because um, <laughs> uh, Don, you've been great. I mean, I think this is um, something where um, these are messages that we need to continue to try and get out to our parents and our families um, any way that we can. Um, you know, I, I want to thank you again for the service that you've provided. Um, not just um, in your day job, but the passion that you and your colleagues have have had to take this out and and do more of this on your own time um, because it matters. Uh, one thing uh, that I always knew, but kind of has gotten driven home to me in in this job is um, uh, it seems simple to say, but nothing is more important to people than their kids. Definitely. And um, uh, the more that we can do to provide kids knowledge and resources, or parents knowledge and resources for their kids and provide the resources directly to the kids, I think we can't do enough of that. Um, so thank you. Um, finish on this question. If a parent has a question, needs some advice, wants somebody to talk to, they should do what? Um, they can always reach out to me. Okay. You know, I, I field probably dozens of calls per week, you know, um, maybe 
40 or so per month, um, at least, of parents all over the state that call me up and they're like, Officer Don, I, I don't know what's going on with this, but I just, I just need pointed in the right direction. Because, you know, sometimes kids do get in over their head. Um, there are some really not so nice people out there that can take advantage of a kiddo when, when they think they're just having fun or they've made a friend. Yeah. And um, if it's over my head, I know, I know people that I can go to for help as well. Uh, but between all of us, we'll find a solution. Um, the one thing these kids need to know is that if you're dealing with something that you can't handle anymore and it's in over your head, I can make it stop today. You just need to tell somebody about it. Yeah. And what I would add to that um, for parents here in UA is tell your kid they can always go to their school resource officer, whether it's you or it's EJ or it's John Rice or it's Officer Luke or Or Officer Goodman or or Travis is back, Travis Goodman's back. Any one of those officers and their school counselor um, those kid, the kid can go to those people, and that is a place. To your point, that that is the right door, whatever door it is, to get to somebody who can make it stop. Oh, absolutely, and and each and every one of those officers can, I mean, easily point them in the right direction, give them some good guidance, or if necessary, roll up their sleeves and say, you know what. Now this is criminal behavior. We'll get to the bottom of this, and, and we'll we'll help you out. All right, awesome, Darren. Any last words? Fencing's going to happen. We're not going to let you slip out of this one. No, I, I'm I'm down for the fencing. Okay. <laughs> um, and what we need to do is we need to figure out whether we can require him to carry some sort of a sword. Definitely. Are they they're really long, right? You know what? Can you they, put them in they, like a, a scabbard? I mean, they come you, in all sizes. I mean, you know, we we, we could custom make one. Scabbard. You, just, you were looking for you scabbard. were looking for a reason to say scabbard. You know, and, and and do we want to carry it on our hip or do we want to do like, you know, over the back? Oh. Over the back? Oh. Yeah. Oh, like Excalibur or something. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could go a lot of different directions. I think can you imagine the reaction of the kids if, when you walk into an elementary school with like a sword strapped across your back they think it's totally cool i, mean, I know that's what yeah, i mean right, exactly and in the infancy of this uh in this country we live in i mean it was the norm for people to carry swords on a daily basis i mean yeah. it was like a piece of jewelry you know they would be you know gold and silver encrusted and incredible you know wraps to the handles um decorations to the blade i mean that that they were a piece of art. So when I when I was a sophomore in high school, I went on a class trip to Spain, and I have like a full size sword from Toledo. Dude, nice. you're you're the public safety head, man. So bring that in. can I bring? Can I use that for our fencing? Probably not. You know what? You probably can't <laughs> use it for fencing, but here's here's. I'm just gonna throw this out here. I might I might take a I might take a limb off of Darren <laughs> yeah, with it. Sounds like a real sword. <laughs> I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there. You know, um, as police officers, we have to do an oath. Yeah. You know, to hold this office, and yeah. uh, I think that should be incorporated. Oh, like knighting them? Like yes. When they swear. Oh, oh you gotta <laughs> dub the I dub the officer. We. Oh, why didn't we have this conversation? Just had a promotional. We, I could have dubbed our new lieutenant yes and our new sergeant i could have oh you still do another ceremony i mean you're the boss i mean yeah well i i think i know what's going to happen at someone's retirement uh when that comes (laughs) along and then not to and then not to and at whenever that date comes along i i think i know what part of the retirement ceremony is now going to be um so say it's not always been that way you know yeah i know that's that's what it's going to be you know, Darren, when you start figuring it out and decide whether or not I could carry one on duty, you know, just come over to my house. You can see all the different types that I have, and then the you right can one. just pick the right one. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it could be, you know. So, so when we have the fencing contest, is this going to be like an old, an old time where duel where you, you, you we, where we pick our weapon from Are you the case? Have, from the case. So Are you, you going to have them laid out on a table for us? This won't be like 
old school dueling. I mean, back in the day, they used to put a drop cloth on the ground and then the first person to drop a drop of blood on there lost. Okay, we're not going to do that. Okay, that, yeah. we're going to keep you guys safe. <laughs> but yes, you will be able to go to a rack and pick out your weapon. This is happening. Mm -hmm. Do you think pickleball is good training for this? You know what? There are some benefits to pickleball, you know, being able to do that reactionary speed, changing, you know, positions and directions real quickly. Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right, good. I'm go. pretty <laughs> confident I'm going to lose, but I'm willing to try. I, no, I think you're going to I think you're going to totally smoke me. Again, you are sneaky athletic. I, I am, but and I I do everything I can on pure effort, but like I have to admit to our listeners that you have blocked my shot like five times in basketball. And it feels really good when I do and it. And it's so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone laughs. And so like I just have visions of that and then this sword somehow doing the same thing. Yeah. So anyway, it's going to happen. We'll find out. You know what? Place your bets now. It could it could go either direction. I mean, Steve's got the, the length, okay? He's got the reach. But you have this sneaky component where, you know, yes, you could be a reactionary fencer where you see an opening and you go for it. Or you could be the type of person that – shows an opening and hopes that someone goes and tries for it and then when they do you're like boom and you got him so no here's what darren darren is darren is much more straight ahead bull in the i'm just going shop. in <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> when i say sneaky i don't mean subtle yeah. <laughs> there's a difference between yeah, sneaky and it's just sneaky like i'm just subtle. going in there and yeah. see what that seems got me figured out so. he's he's unexpected but not subtle yeah yeah you might be in trouble Maybe Brian can can Brian videotape this? Oh, absolutely. This is happening. I think I think unexpected but not subtle is my new description for you. <laughs> and, it, and it also could be a description for the show. Ah, <laughs> unexpected oh, but not, not subtle. subtle. Um, all right, uh, Officer Stanko, thank you very much for doing this. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for coming on with us and, and having a little bit of fun. Uh, Happy to talking be here. about some pretty serious stuff. Yeah, and thanks for your time. All right. Mm -hmm.